0: The World Reads from Sharjah, live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha.
1: A very good morning from Sharjah Expo Center, where we are broadcasting live at the Sharjah International Book Fair, the 39th edition. And I cannot believe I'm saying this. We are only three days away. Actually, the day would be counted as the third day, so two days away from the end of the book fair. So if you've been missing out, this is your opportunity. Do not miss out on it. And also do not miss out on our hour right here because there are so many things we're gonna be doing. Especially today is kind of extra special because we spoke with Nedua the Beyond all the way in Canada who was telling us all about her latest books and just taking us through her writing process and how she got to become an author, a poet, an educator, and just an all-around great person we're also going to be having a kind of a special mini performance aren't we yes we have our very special spoken word uh, artist
2: Yad Gado and he will be discussing his uh, debut novel provoke uh, and as and he will give us a mini performance we're very excited for that he's a really cool guy
1: You know him, don't you? Yes, we went to university together. So, like, I'm rooting for him. (laughs) And can you also mention which university? American University of Sharjah. All all of us (laughs) went to university with him. (laughs) Exactly. So, shout out to all the students from the American University of Sharjah and also the University of Sharjah and all the universities in Sharjah. We're not going to leave anybody out, but we are super excited to have Ziad and to have Netwaz interview later on in the hour. So, stay tuned for all of that and so much more right here at Pulse95. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And uh, we're also going to be talking about what is happening at the Sharjah International Book Fair this morning. Mm -hmm. Sibf.com is your resource for registration and for info on virtual sessions as well that we'll be discussing throughout the program. And we're this late into the book fair, but more and more people are filing in. Also, people getting uh, some bargains here as the Mm -hmm. days wind down to the end. So stay tuned for that and so much more right here on Pulse 95.
0: Pulse 95. The world reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha
1: Last night I spoke to Najwa Bian all the way from Canada She's a Lebanese Canadian author, educator, poet And just again all around amazing person It was a super fun interview She spoke to me about her entire journey Of how her upbringing helped her become an author And how she became a writer And how that just completely affected her life experiences So let's listen up I am over here with the Lebanese-Canadian author, poet, activist, speaker, and educator Nedjwa Zebian. Let's just jump right into it. I know that you usually take your experience as a kickoff point for your writing. So, How did your upbringing in Canada as an Arab kid turn you into an author?
4: So I was actually raised in Lebanon for most of my early years. I moved to Canada when I was 16. I visited here a few times with my family, but the final move was made when I was 16 years old. But I was always surrounded with the English language and way of expression from a young age. I believe that the upbringing between Lebanon and Canada, in a way, taught me about different ways of expression as opposed mm-hmm. to there just being only one way of expressing yourself, one language. I always spoke both yeah. in English and in Arabic mm-hmm. I and I loved, I, I loved listening to stories. I loved listening to, you know, those stories aren't just stories. There's always a lesson to be learned. There's always, there's so Absolutely. much respect yeah. in them. So I mm-hmm. feel like having that upbringing, around people speaking different languages, as well as people from different ages. Like, I, I spent most of my time around older people, around my grandma, around yeah. my dad. Uh, my siblings were considerably older than me, reflecting back. Constantly being around those who were older than me made me mature at a much younger age than you would expect and contemplate Mm -hmm. like I contemplate life, I contemplate everything like what's the meaning of life, what do you live for, what's right what's wrong, what does dignity mean, what does things that a child wouldn't think of and so I feel like those early years prepared me, it was it was they were years of me keeping that expression on the inside and at one point it just it started coming out and that was a few years ago.
1: You're basically telling me that you had all these emotions and the questions and the feelings and you just took it all and put it onto paper.
4: Yeah, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have been able to do that because I know many people would just leave that on the inside and say, whatever, they're just my thoughts, they're just my feelings, but there was, there was an intensity with which those thoughts and feelings um, came to the surface to the point mm-hmm. where I just I had to let it out because if I didn't I felt like I was suffocating. So it began as me sitting in front of my journal and writing. It didn't begin as I'm sharing these writings with the world. It began, you know, that that was the first step is listening to yourself, letting those mm-hmm. thoughts out for yourself just so you could feel that sense of relief and then bit by bit when I started sharing those writings with those around me there was a sense of We want more. This is great. This is exactly how I've been feeling for years. And you just put it on paper. And so that's when I started believing that, oh, like my thoughts actually, they're not, I'm not alone in thinking this way. I'm not lonely in thinking this way. I'm not the only one. And also like, they make sense. It's not that they're as complicated as I think they are. They actually make sense to people. So there was that validation. Not that I needed it, but, but I, I do have to give credit to the people around me that they took a big part in me taking that step of actually putting my work out into the world.
2: I really love how humble she is and she would just talk about her taking a power of her narrative and her experiences and as a writer I relate to her a lot because a lot of the times I would have close people to me telling me that You do not necessarily have to showcase your vulnerabilities to the world Mm -hmm. and this is something private whether I talk about mental health, um, issues of upbringing when I was a teenager and whatnot, and I would always have those people who would tell me like maintain your privacy but to me as Najwa said if if your words can impact the life of one person and help them get better sometimes you suffocate and you need to let it out so Mm you were lucky to know how to express yourself on paper and others are lucky to know to relate through text. So it's very important to put your vulnerabilities out there for the public to relate to and grow with you.
1: Absolutely. And actually, it's interesting that you brought up vulnerability because I'm going to be talking about that with her in the next part of the interview. So stay tuned for that and much more right here as we have live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair. Pulse 95.
0: The world reads from Sharjah, live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha
1: we continue our conversation with Nejwa Thebyan who I spoke to last night earlier she was talking about how she's taking inspiration from her upbringing taking inspiration from her field of work which is being a teacher and all of that had inspired her to become a writer and that she had always been a writer actually and had been writing notes and a lot of her life was all written on these papers and she talks about how vulnerability and taking all these emotions and feelings and putting them into words is super important and especially in her work. I can see that vulnerability or Posing yourself in the most rawest of ways is super important to you or at least a recurring theme because we also see that in Sparks of a Phoenix and Next Year of yes. and mm-hmm. that is very powerful because you rarely see people who are willing to take everything inside them and put them on a piece of paper. Is only, well, relatability or advocating for the people, for other people who might be in your same position is that the only reason that, you know, you're becoming more vulnerable? Is it also for yourself?
4: So I would I would definitely say there is an element of both. I do it to help others heal, but I also do it to help myself heal. And my writing has really evolved over the years. Uh, I still write as vulnerably as I've always written, but because of the amount of knowledge that I've accumulated over the years because I've written so much. See the thing is I don't don't think people understand the power of just sitting down and writing what's on your mind without thinking to yourself is this gonna help someone? You know what am I gonna do with this piece of work? Is it going to be accepted? Is it going to be validated by others? Without thinking of any of that, just sitting down and writing. I used to go to a coffee shop and sit for hours and just write, and I never, I could never anticipate where I was going to end up, like what topic, wh- which wound am I opening and going back to, which which themes are popping out at me from the writing telling me, you forgot to deal with this, or are these two things connected, it, these two mm-hmm. things from the past and from, from your present? Just sitting down and allowing the writing to flow from within is such a vulnerable act on its own. But to do that without thinking of the outcome is really, that's the gold in the writing. It's not the finished product or what you think it should be. So because I've allowed myself to do that without thinking of the end product, or how can I make money out of this? Or how many people is this gonna help? That's what allowed me to actually heal through writing actually see the parts of me that I never saw before and connect the dots and say, my story didn't begin a year or two ago. My story began the moment I was born and those memories, those things that happened, the environment that I was raised in, the beliefs that I was taught the people who were surrounding me, all of that made me who I am. And it got me to a place where, you know how so many people just live their lives the way that society around them has dictated that they live it. And and they never really give themselves the right to question mm-hmm. how life is. You just, you see life a certain way. You see that and you live that way without even thinking that maybe there is another way. So writing, allowed me to ask myself, is this how I want to live my life? Instead of continuing to live my life a certain way, I started choosing how I wanted to live my life. So if I look at my past writings now, mm-hmm. I, I'm compassionate with my younger self and I say, I know why you wrote that, you were hurt, you were trying to explain how you were feeling, but the older, more mature, wiser me, would have taken away so much of that blame that's in my writing. I blame the world. I blame the people around me for many things. I expect many things from those around me and from the world. And I expect someone to amplify my voice for me. Whereas now, my writing is is very much centered on me. And when I write for others, it's very much centered on ask yourself why is this hurting me as opposed to expecting that other people are going to fix your situation for you always come back to yourself ask yourself why you're reacting a certain way
1: is this what soul academy and the stories of the soul are all about because now you've ventured into a different medium one is podcasting that is you can see its just similar to writing, whether it's poetry or prose in the sense that you're storytelling. maybe you're having conversations. But at Digital Academy, now you are an educator. But how different is it? Is it the same platform that you're using pro- as your book?
4: So Soul Academy, I began it because I get so many questions from people about different topics. And so, I decided instead of just answering people separately because I, I really don't have the amount of time that is required to help every single person out there, I thought I would package it into a course where I would walk through it step by step with anybody who's really needing to be coached or someone to hold their hand as they're going through something. So the first topic that I wanted to address was letting go. and that was very well received and so the whole intention behind it was if you are struggling with letting go of anything here are the steps to do that here are some powerful strategies that worked with me that I know will work with you or a derivative of them will work with you so that was Soul Academy, I wanted to I wanted to bring the knowledge that I had with the skills that I acquired as a teacher to 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 bring a practical way to let go. And then with stories of the soul, the podcast that I wanted to dig deeply into into a person's soul and have them share their stories. And then I thought, you know, it's it hasn't been a long time since I've had a platform and I remember the days when I felt like my story didn't matter or who, who's going to care about what I'm going through. And so I wanted Stories of the Soul to give those who didn't have a platform, a platform to share their stories. And that's why in the first 12 episodes that you probably heard, two of them are just by me, but the rest are different people being interviewed, people from different walks of life. They were all telling stories of forgiveness. And so you begin listening to the episode not knowing who this person is. You see a name, you see Jenna, or you see Philip, but you don't know who that person is. And so you you sit there and you listen. There is a power in stories, in individual stories that are unique. No other story that's publicized already and everybody knows about it can bring we're actually just we're going to restart it again and this time we're going to be interviewing more people but people who have a a platform but not too big of a platform so that we could help them reach more people as well uh with their story vulnerability
0: Mm.
1: a super important element when you're writing i feel like If you do not put your soul on your paper as an author, even if it's not directly saying, I went through this and I went through that, even by just sharing your experience through the experience of your characters, that is enough to have a connection with the the people who are reading your book and also be a lot more relatable.
3: That's very important, Aisha. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, when you write something like that down, and it's something that all of us have experienced at one point in time, and something as intense as the pain, uh, the heartbreak, the sense of loss, those are all themes that she discusses in her work. It really resonates with people and makes you feel less alone. And I think that's the beauty of it all. What I find so interesting about her work as well is the fact that it's not just strictly an expression of pain and suffering. She also talks about rising up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, while she talks about things like the pain of heartbreak. She also talks about a sense of renewal, a sense of coming up and picking yourself off, and also talks about forgiving the people that hurt you. So you almost always, after reading a poem of hers, a tweet, an Instagram post, you feel like, oh, okay, I feel a little better. There's something consoling about it. Absolutely. It all just comes together really nicely. So that was a uh, bien.
2: Yes, and she said two words that resonated with me. She yeah. said, just write. And at <laughs> the end of the day, As a writer, whatever you write, you write for yourself. And if you were lucky enough for people to perceive it positively, then that's great. And that's the power of language. And I agree with a lot of what she said because I I started putting my writings out there at the age of 15. So I would have a lot of articles on my blog uh, of me ranting on as a teenager but I refuse to take them off because at some point it's it's like a documentation of your life at yeah. some point they resonated so heavily with me and who knows maybe it could help someone else so it's good to re-examine your life once you're a bit older and more mature and see how um, that shaped you and created the person you currently are
1: especially the last part you said that it's become something or a source for somebody else to Mm -hmm. take inspiration from because everybody goes through whether it's teenage angst or even later on in your life you go through something But when you see somebody who might have quote unquote made it and then you see that they also went through the same phases. You say that I will also make it out of here as well, which is I, well, I believe what Nedu was trying to do with all her writing. Mm-hmm. So even her Jital Academy and her podcast, which is available on her website. So guys, check it out. I believe it's also available on whatever wherever you listen to podcasts. So check it out, Soul Academy and yeah, that is Najwa Bian Coming up next, we have Ziad Gado, who's going to be giving us a special performance. Some spoken word, some spoken poetry, right here at Pulse95.
0: You're listening to Pulse95. The world reads from Sharjah, live with Aliyah, Ahmed, and Aisha.
2: And we're back with the phenomenal Ziad Gado, and um, to start off, I have known Ziad for a really long time, so this is a very exciting interview to have. And since I've been around him, I've seen him grow into the artist and poet that he is. And I remember being amazed by your performances. They were so impressive because you put your heart and soul. And I I can't wait for you to perform something for us. So before getting into uh, your debut book, we want to... A few days ago, we were having a discussion on the different mediums of expression and art. So what made you think that your words needed to transcend beyond text and into uh, the art of spoken poetry?
5: Um, First of all, thank you for that intro. It's really (laughs) sweet of you. Um, Second, uh, I think poetry or spoken word, which is kind of a translation of words on stage, Mm -hmm. it's more performative, it's more engaging. Um, It feels like the words kind of take a whole different meaning once performed to an audience and spoken word I always say it's kind of a gray area between rap and standard recited poetry, mm-hmm. um, so I feel like it takes a much more dynamic shape. You can play with the rhythm, you can play with the cadence, you can talk about things that aren't cliche, mm-hmm. because we read, you know, growing up, we read things that are more, you know, Shakespearean, etc., things that are more standardized. But spoken word gives us a chance to talk. You can make your favorite meal interesting in spoken word. It's as simple as that. Uh, and through poetry, which you know uses metaphors, and similes, and all other, you know, metaphorical, you know, symbols. Um, I think you can make any mundane topic a lot more interesting just by performing it on stage. And I got to see that and I was immediately attracted by that. I think that's the immediate answer.
3: How did you get into spoken word?
5: Um, my friend Safwa, shout out to my friend Safwa, she took me to my first open mic event which was Rooftop Rhythms based in Abu Dhabi. And I got to see, on my first night, I got to see a guy perform in French I got to see um, a Palestinian poet Farah Shammah do a poem in three languages. I got to see a couple of other people and every one of them was so unique and each of them brought a completely new f- you know, flavor to the stage and I just couldn't not feel included. You have to feel, you know, um, I think you have to feel represented when you go and watch something like that. Um, and so it took me, what, a year and I was just begging to go again. I was like, this time I'm performing and I got to perform a piece where I was so nervous that I stuttered. <laughs> However, the piece was about social anxiety. So they thought it was a part of the act.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's brilliant.
0: Amazing. You're exposing it yourself out. right it, now. It, it really <laughs> worked out. No,
5: no. It, <laughs> I don't think I've ever said this out loud. But it's true. It, that's why, I mean, like, even your most natural state of being is believable. You don't have to sugarcoat anything so long as you're true to the topic.
2: You know what I mean? Mm.
1: I love what you're saying right now because and also the fact that you were stuttering during your first performance and i always draw back to my own one of my few well standing on stage and the whole performing in front of somebody was a debate back in grade 12 and i remember that i was obviously reading from a paper because i could not memorize and then halfway through it i stuttered and then i just stopped and i just glared at everybody and look at me now like i'm presenting and i understand it i feel that how you can go from you find your passion and you're like that's the thing I want to do and then you go from trying it failing and then going all the way to excelling in it just like how you are doing right now
5: and you realize that it's a journey too like the the, the failure and the the ups and downs are part of the you know it's part Mm -hmm. of the excitement because now you look back at yourself and 12th grade debate Mm -hmm. and you're like I could have done that better but that was very important for me to learn
1: yes it was very important for me to fail for me to succeed later on and speaking about succeeding what is provoke what is this is this all your feelings and emotions put onto paper or is it just some random ideas that pop into your head
5: so I've been writing poems I think since 2015 you know in a a consistent form Mm -hmm. since 2015 and when I was thinking of putting a book together I wanted to divide it into sections I didn't know how many I didn't know how long it would be but by the time I was done organizing the book it felt like four coherent sections Wow. Um, and the name is uh, because I think men do not talk about emotions True. they do not admit to how they feel mm-hmm. unless things get critical mm-hmm. so the idea of provoke is that I want you to be provoked as a reader especially as a guy um, any, uh, any member of the audience is obviously welcome but I think guys need to open up to how they feel because there's a lot of just life that can get you can maneuver life easier knowing that and every time you read you're like oh I didn't think I needed to know that about myself okay Mm -hmm. moving on and that's the idea I want you to be more open I want you to be more honest and more vulnerable and that's what this book is about in all its chapters
3: is it challenging putting all those real thoughts and feelings on a piece of paper for people to read does that make you feel How does that make you feel? Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely.
5: I mean, it goes back to the idea of vulnerability. We don't really open up easily to anyone, let alone a bunch of strangers. Uh, When you put it in a book, you're essentially putting yourself almost unfiltered into an audience you've never met or seen, possibly will not meet or see. So it does take it, you know, takes you off the edge a little bit. But once it's done, it's healing. Yeah. It's catharsis in its purest form.
3: And stylistically, when you when you were putting together the book, is it is it stuff that you had performed live to people, or did you make special considerations given the fact that it would be in a print format?
5: So, out of maybe like out of the thirty-some pieces in this book, I've performed four or five, okay. because I think the audience for like I think a piece that's meant to be performed is very different from a piece that's meant to be read. The cadence and the the, the, the kind of the bounce of the words I think that's what cadence so I think the cadence of the words makes a lot of difference it makes you know it makes all the difference almost there are pieces in this book that are longer which you can tell they're like oh I can see this but there are other pieces you're like yeah I don't want to hear this out loud I just want to go through it in silence in my bedroom at night before I go to sleep so it depends on which piece it is but yes I think I took that into consideration
3: and you you perform live we've spoken about uh, the spoken word poetry events that you attend can you talk to me a little bit more about the relationship you develop with an audience during a live performance does it feel interactive do you feel a sense of connection with them Just tell me more about that aspect of the performance
5: it's my favorite thing to do in the world it's the hi good evening my name is ziad nice to meet you let me tell you about this story and i usually start by letting the audience acknowledge themselves and their presence and then i immediately just get into the zone and the zone is usually just me having something to say Uh, performing that feels like you know, this, you know when you tell a story to your friends? Yeah. You know the other day, this has this, this happened? That's exactly what it feels like. It <laughs> feels like I'm just telling someone about something that happened to me the other day. Mm-hmm. Except is, I'm the only one talking. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm the only one who's doing the conversation. But, but also through spoken word and through spoken word audiences, unlike musicians, where you're just kind of clapping along, people are attentively listening or you know, they're, it, just looking at them receive the information you're giving them is immense. And you only understand this when you get on a stage. Ahmed, you know exactly what I mean. You get on stage, you see people twitching or um, changing their posture or just, you know, taking a long breath after you say something and that's enough. And that's how your emotions And your experiences are acknowledged well, It's unlike anything else
1: Well we cannot wait to experience everything You just said We're going to be taking a break Before you start your performance Right here on Pulse95 So stay tuned to listen to Ziyad Gado And his spoken poetry
2: You're listening to Pulse95
5: Pulse95 I was the one who was وعوذ بالله من كلمة أنا أنا ما دمت وما بقي وما زال على عهد الهوى I am Not what a pen can endure I'm not what your parameters can secure Not the simple definitions or the complex brochures I am, storm Stirred within a breeze Gentle as the ocean debris أنا أنا قلب خفاق في دنيا الأسوار قلب صارخ يوقظ النائمة من غفوة الأشعار I am, 5 a.m. Stalling for breath and not counting backwards from 10 I a.m. The streets of Cairo noisy and doubtful, more than just a mouthful of prison cells and obituaries, cold in a handful of hands containing hope in sanctuaries, old but proud and ironic. And I am outrageous and hyperbolic, ready to verbally outstake you, mistake you for lobotomy. I am the night in its silence. I am the wandering mongrel of this city, screaming unfiltered monstrosity, advertising the struggle of the unheard to the unburdened herd, dispersed in gluttony. I am rising prices and falling dice and scalps of lies and tired of fighting in snow and ice with... Gu- I am kushari and spice and everything nice. And I don't mean to say the same thing twice, but I am... Long after the fall of your dynasty, after the crash course of imperial pedigree, I'm the serial killer with pen and greed. I'm the blast outcast outlasting the hurricane. I'm the last king of Scotland, more blunt than Mary Jane, more do than die, more hello than goodbye, more try than outcry. But I am not a magician because I cannot seem to unhinge the definition of resistance from this body. This cave of compassion is too desperate for seclusion yet too hungry for inclusion and I just want to conclude this with a smile. And I don't mean to intrude but tell me more about you. Are you lost like me? If so, let's hold hands and let the electricity between our fingers spell hope to a misled generation of candles. Let's talk to one another, learn each other's darkness for maybe in darkness we will harness understanding and eventually we may see through each other's ears. Let me hear you speak your mother tongue in pride. Let me see you cross these hurdles, these burdens. Let me get to know you because I am. Thank you. Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. <Yes. laughs> Loved it.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I, I, my first time seeing you live. That's amazing. I'm so glad. <laughs> amazing. So. I'm speechless. That was great. <laughs> we well, speechless. You knocked us out.
5: Thank you guys so much. So um,
2: I know you've had a, since you published the book, I know you've had some, um, an interesting couple of years. So what are you planning to do with those years in regards to transforming them into text?
5: So, I've been exploring with writing Arabic poetry, Mm -hmm. Egyptian dialect poetry, um, fully, and it's been amazing because when I went back home, I spent two years in Egypt, I got to really experience life from a completely different perspective. I grew up in the GCC my whole life. Mm -hmm. So going back and going through the kind of things that I went through and meeting the people that I met, I felt like my brain opened up to the idea of the native tongue taking over just mm-hmm. for a little bit. And it's a lot of fun to mix and match. You know what I mean? Like just now the piece that I did is Fusha and English. But the Amia English idea has been on my mind for mm-hmm. the last few weeks. And I don't know where to go with it, but we'll get there. I know it's, it's really exciting to, to imagine.
1: And how important is that taking your dialect and taking your culture and putting it, inserting it into your poetry?
5: It's amazing It's very empowering It's extremely It's colorful I feel like it adds a lot of dimension and authenticity uh, We are the people we come from Whether those people are a country Or a group of a community Or whatever it is And those two years Or you know, the last 26 years generally But I feel like belonging Is reflected very strongly Using the native tongue Simple mm. as that That's just my personal experience with that And I'm just genuinely excited To start telling the stories of the people I come from
1: and what's next for you?
5: Uh, is that I, a
1: secret, or are you still <laughs> thinking about it?
5: I honestly, I mean, I've been dabbling with music production. Uh, I have two other projects that are out. I have a YouTube video, and I have a small, like an Instagram video called Update. I did it during quarantine, mm-hmm. and I was messing a lot with production, so mixing sounds with words. I don't think this is why I keep saying that poetry is not just poetry. Yeah, mm-hmm. poetry is a tool mix it and match it with everything Mm -hmm. put it with music you get a song put it in a video you get a concept put it in a play you get Shakespeare put it on everything you get something else different and I think it's just a means to an end It's it's a tool it's not the end of the conversation which is why I'm just kind of I want to put poetry in other mediums I don't know where these mediums are But I'm very excited to try them other things And I think production is the one I'm messing with these days
2: I uh, know one of your uh, projects Cruise Control My yes. absolute favorite I uh, keep jamming to it To it, Can you tell us more about it?
5: So Cruise Control is something That also came alive in 2018 I went back to Oman After leaving the UAE For a couple of months And I met some of the most amazing artists You've ever seen The Omani scene is a gold mine wow. um, I met Iman Zajali I met Ghazi Belushi And these two, I worked with them on a concept that turned into a song. Then Hafid Al-Harithi walked into the studio and he's like, yeah, let's do a music video. So we ended up doing a music video with a full-on production, actors, a crew. It was one of the most mind-blowing experiences of my life. And it did a lot better than I expected. It was this crazy (laughs) idea in my head. But it ended up doing really great. And it's actually the second anniversary of this project was last week. So I'm really, really like last week is monumental. It's the two years since I put out the book and cruise control as well.
1: Well, Congratulations for that. Thank you so much. And we really
2: don't want this conversation to end. But can you tell us where can our listeners see you live and where can our readers get your book?
5: So the book is available on Amazon and Sue. Just look it up. It's called Provoke. Um, Ziad Gado. Yes. My name is Ziad Gado. Yes. yes. And at the <laughs> book fair. And it is at the book fair until the end of the book fair inshallah. And um, the video, the cruise control video is on YouTube. You can mm-hmm. watch it. You can follow me on Instagram, Ziad Gado. And uh, Your next I will be performing on the 26th in blank space. Uh, it's a Dubai based uh, platform and uh, it will be a lot of fun to see everyone.
1: And hopefully inshallah also in Sharjah we can have some more spoken word poetry uh, all, all kinds of activities it would and be whatnot. amazing
5: to have in charge absolutely absolutely
1: and parting words what can you tell people who might be interested what would tell like somebody who is like you when they first went to their first uh open mic um spoken poetry event and they were having those thoughts after hearing you they're like maybe i want to do the same thing what would you tell them
5: I would say, if you're stuttering on stage, then you're probably (laughs) doing it right. That's all I can say. Take a chance on yourself. You never know. That's all I can say
1: love us so much thank you so much thank you guys for having me well it was a pleasure and hopefully we can see you you know rise up to the occasion and be you know the spectacular person that you are right now we're going to be taking a short break and we're going to end it off really quickly with a quick run through of the agenda what to look forward to in the next two days because we're sadly running out of days so stay tuned for that live from Expo Center Sharjah
0: Pulse The world reads from Sharjah, live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha.
3: Hi everybody, good morning. Welcome back to our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair. Just had an awesome conversation with Ziad Gado, spoken word artist, and uh, he read some for us as well. That's going to be up on the podcast at Pulse95 Radio, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. But that's not all for today. We've got a pretty packed agenda here at the Sharjah Expo Center. And if you want to access any of the free virtual events, go to sharjareads.com. But yes, indeed, we have uh, a lot lined up, don't we?
1: Yes, we do. Starting with social media. Now everybody uses social media platforms, at least a majority of us. But how do you use creative tools to make creative content? That is very difficult, especially taking into consideration that a lot of social media platforms have algorithms. So how do you grab people's attention and how do you play around with this algorithm? You can find out with Alexandra Maya. Now, there are also so many other things that are going on all the way till 9 p.m. as well. We've got writing about real versus writing about fiction characters. Now, that one I should definitely watch or listen to because again I think I mentioned this before at the beginning of the book fair that I've always had in my bucket list that I want to one day publish a book but I've been going back and forth at the beginning when I was younger I was like I'm going to write a trilogy it's going to be an epic trilogy everybody's going to read it but lately I'm like perhaps maybe non-fiction talk about myself it's a back and forth thing so I think this would be a very good platform for anybody who's thinking about how to write again real characters versus fictional characters
3: yeah and uh reality is uh, sort of deeply ingrained in writing no matter if you're writing fiction or non-fiction as well the characters you come up with are based on your experiences your perception of the world and in one way or another are related to your life and upbringing. So bringing out that reality in a text and making it convincing is something that's gonna to be touched upon during this session as well. And there are many more events to check out online as well. Just head over to chargerreads.com. A little bit of everything here from interviews, workshops, seminars, and how to write compelling fiction as well. All of this taking place uh, on chargerreads.com. Also, be sure to visit the halls at Expo Center, Sharjah. Over 80,000 titles on sale. People are getting really good deals now that the Sharjah International Book Fair is winding down. So be sure to come here, get your deal, register at sibf.com, and tune in with us because we're going to be back on Saturday for
0: more coverage.
1: Live here from Sharjah Expo Center.
0: The World Reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha.